0: Amen. Wow. So good to worship together and it's good to worship Jesus. Um, there's a lot of things people can worship in this world. I think we all know that. There's only really one deserving of it. And um, just so grateful we get to do that together this morning. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm, my name is Tyler Hardy. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. And I know um, if you're here this morning, it's your first time, say welcome and glad you're with us. Um, I know we had graduations at a and this weekend. We had our mass for those that are locals and live here. The mass exodus happened this last week. The traffic jams are gone. The restaurants are wide open. The coffee shops are borderline empty. And so it's like, wow, I live in this overbuilt town that has everything I could want for the next two months. So, hey, it pays to be local, you know what I'm saying? So it's pretty awesome. For you college students that are gonna be here for the summer for the first time, you'll feel the experience, you're like, wow, this is, I'm kinda bored, you know, what do I do? Um, Just come hang out with us at the church, so we're here. So, Well, um, uh, I do just wanna say a special note to anyone who did just, just graduate and is actually here. If you did, just raise your hand real quick. I know most of you guys hit town. Way to go. Awesome. So proud of you guys. Thankful for you. Um, I did graduate a long time ago, and I was super happy uh, to to walk this stage. All right. Well, my team just reminded me we need to take up the offering. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come on down as to do that. That's not the first time I've forgotten. But in case you're wondering if we're all about the money, that's obviously not the case here. Uh, So... very thankful for you guys i do just want to say hey thank you for being a generous church i know uh, many of you give online and some give sunday mornings and we're just we're grateful we can't do what we do without you giving to the body of christ uh and without you serving without you participating it's everything it's uh but that's what jesus asked of us he asked for us to give our all so thank you guys for being uh faithful and, and such a blessing to this house um well you know, as we kind of shift gears, really in our town here, uh, summer kind of begins right around now. I don't know what you think about the actual seasons. I know we don't have it all broken out three months at a time here in Brian College Station, but our summer kind of begins now as grade school, K-12, through wraps up here in the next week or two as college students are kind of moving on, graduating, stuff's happening. The shift is on, and You know, um, as as we were praying through and talking about, okay, what do we do this summer? It's always a unique setting for us at church because we are much smaller because we have a really large student population, grateful for that. We also have families and young adults and empty nesters that actually travel around in the summer. So families may be in and out. They've got vacations planned, stuff happening. We've got, uh, I don't know how many, 50, 60, 70 people going on mission trips. So there's just a lot of coming and going at our church. So um, it, it, what, what it means is that we are smaller together. And as we were praying through, we said, Lord, what do we do this summer? And I'm going to uh, get into that here in just a minute. But we really sense that, you know, we need to make a shift on Sunday mornings for the summer. All right. So in the summer, we like to think about okay, it's a little different schedule, right? If you're a family, you're thinking okay, the sports are winding down, the school is winding down, you can breathe, you are normal, right? You're not a crazy person. You can actually have those family dinners you were longing for, and you can do that, right? Um, and and you know if, if if you're a college student, you've got the organizations are happening, you've got the A and sports you're going to, you've got class, the life groups are full blown, everything's happening. And you get to come to a bit of a wind down, a little bit, a little slower pace. But for all of us, we look at the summer and say, okay, um, it it needs to be different. We want it to feel different. And so we thought, hey, let's come alongside that as a church and actually do something about it. But before I share with you some of those details, I just want to give you kind of our heart behind it. Uh, So that's really what today is. We're about to launch into a 12-week series starting next Sunday you have to come back to taste it, all right? But it starts next Sunday. So today, I'm just going to share with you a little bit of vision uh, and a little bit of our heart as to what is God saying to us right now and what does the summer need to look like, all right? So we're going to invite you into that this morning. Um, but, you know, as we think about um, our summer, as we think about our church, back in January, we communicated our vision statement that we recently kind of put together. We've had a mission statement for years. It's been on the wall out there, making disciples of Jesus, um who, uh, to make disciples of Jesus who can transform towns and nations, right? And so our desire is to be disciple making people. But we also said, hey, we need a vision, overarching vision, something that's almost um, in a sense, unattainable, but it's gonna keep us going. Is it making sense? It's 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 the idea of hey, be perfect as I am perfect. Be holy. It's like, okay, Lord, we are going for that. Not in this disappointment place, but saying, Lord, continue to press us. We keep maturing. We keep growing. We keep reaching for him. We don't get satisfied or settled or comfortable in where we are. Since that is a life of a believer, you have to keep stretching yourself. You have to keep moving forward. You can't just read a verse once and say, hey, I read that verse before. I'm good. I don't need to read it again. No, we want to reread it. God, show me something fresh. Lord, give me something new. out of this. That is the life of a believer. That is a spirit-filled life with God. That's why it's active, right? And it's moving and it's happening. So as a people, we want to be forward-moving. And our vision statement is this, to present to Christ a radiant church ready for his return. That's our heart start. We want to present to Jesus Christ a radiant church, full of life, right? Full of joy, that we are the light shining in the darkness, that we are a church like that, that we're ready for his return because Jesus is coming back one day, right? We did this series back over Christmas called Maranatha. Right? And, and what we learned at that time is that actually in the early church 2,000 years ago, what people would say to each other to encourage one another in the midst of their trials and persecution and hardships. Remember, a lot of them in the Roman Empire region, they weren't the nicest of people towards Christians if you read history. So it was actually quite difficult. And they would see each other in the streets and they would say, Maranatha, and remind them, Come, Lord Jesus. Almost bidding him to come and remind you hey, he's coming back. It's hard today, but he's coming back. We, our hope rests in him, not in our present circumstances. So we want to present to Christ a radiant church, ready for his return. We all want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, that's got to be in there for us. Man, I want him to say, well done as a daddy. Well done as a husband. Well done as a coach. Well done as a teacher. Well done as a friend. Well done as a follower. Well done as a worshiper. I want him to say, well done. You know, God hasn't given me just one thing to think about. He said, Tyler, here's the, here's the people. Here's the responsibilities. Here's the giftings. Here's the environments I'm going to put you in. Now I want you to give it 110% and do it with joy and humility and, and, and invite me into it. And I want you to go all the way. None of us want to live a life in regret. Right, so we're actually being invited into not do that, but to say, Lord, I'm going to go for it. And when we make, when we make a mistake, when we choose sin, when we mess up, then we're quick to repent. And we say, all right, Lord, well, the game's not over yet. Yeah. I just I made a mistake there, but I can repent, turn, and come to him quickly, and he restores us. Yeah. Right? That is a life of a believer. We don't have to hang our heads down and, and, and be like, oh, gosh, well, I did that. I better pay penance for the next 12 years until you know, I find my happy place. That's not it. Your happy place is confessing to Jesus, repenting and turning. That's your happy place, right? Like that's how you get happy again. It's repenting of sin and then walking after him again. That's how we will actually become a church that is ready for his return. That's our desire. So we're returning as a people, but that's our vision. So then you take that and you say, okay, that's the vision of our church then what do we do in the summer? It has to align in some way, shape, or form, right? Just like with any company, any organization. If what you're doing is not actually helping to further the overall vision and mission of what you're doing, then what you're doing is a waste of time, right? So I'm just telling you, we are working on that as a church. We don't have it all figured out. There's stuff we're doing right now that it's like, why are we doing that? But we just haven't gotten around to the, asking the question, why are we doing that? We will, and so we'll stop doing that, and we'll add other things, Right? We're trying to stay centered on Jesus, be led by the Spirit of God, making sure things we're doing are biblical, helpful, needful, relevant to what we're doing. We're working on that journey. But we thought, hey, this summer, let's do something that's really going to align with the vision and the mission. And really, there's kind of three main things I want to share with you this morning in terms of our heart behind what we're doing and some changes we are making. Um, number one is this. We want to be an engaging culture rather than a consuming culture. We want to be an engaging culture of people rather than a consuming culture of people. Now, just bear with me for a minute while I get through this, all right? Engaging means attractive, winning, pleasing. Those sound nice. Those are nice words, right? Engaging, winning, attractive, uh, pleasing, right? We think of having an engaging conversation. We think of being engaged to be married. Well, I like that. Engaged in a business deal or engagement um carries a sentiment of it being a two-way street right if you're engaged in a good conversation it's because both people are listening and talking right um like if you want to be engaged be married somebody has to ask the question and someone has to say yes right. Right. you can't engage yourself yeah. it's not gonna work marry me i mean that i don't know if that's where society's going but that get real weird <laughs> real fast Okay, so it takes two to tango, right? It takes two parties. It takes two or more to be part of that engagement and part of that business deal, to be engaged in that, right? Let's look at consuming, though. Consuming means to destroy, to use up, to devour. That's Webster, not me. To consume, to devour. I actually read this week, and I was thinking, I don't think I ever put it in those terms. To devour? Yikes. Like Now, I have devoured some pizza and steaks in my life, and... (laughs) Man, it was totally worth it, you know? But it was a devouring, right? In our house, it was clean the plates, you know? Um, okay, but that's the, that's the idea we talk about consuming. We consume food. There is gas consumption, we're all keenly aware of. There's consuming a TV series or social media posts or stories. We consume alcohol. We use the word consuming for these types of things when we're describing something that is really more or less a singular act. Right I am consuming something: food for me, water for me, show for me, entertainment for me, I'm consuming, I'm devouring. That is it's really less of a connotation of a two-way street, and more so of a something that I sit back and take or I take on. But it's not this exchange. There's not this reciprocation happening. It's not multiplied or reproduced. Consumption is just consumed. It's gone. Because if that was the case, we would not have to fill our tanks with gas anymore. It would just endlessly reproduce itself. That'd be incredible. Design that gas. We'd all be richer for it. But let's talk about consumerism and why we're going to go after this this summer in terms of just a couple of things we're doing and as a church moving forward. Why do we care about kind of challenging that consuming culture, right, or that consuming Christian versus the engaging culture, engaging Christian, right? Um... I did a little bit of research from about 70 years ago, which I thought would be interesting for us, um, talking about American consumerism. I'm going to read you two quotes. The cardinal features of this culture were acquisition and consumption as the means of achieving happiness, the cult of the new, the democratization of desire, and money value as the predominant measure of all value in society. That's from the historian William Leach when describing consumerism in America and how it was developed nearly about 100 years ago. Another man in 1955, his name is Victor Lebeau. He's a retail analyst. So from what I know, not a believer, wouldn't call himself a prophet, but just a retail analyst trying to advise and consult these firms on what they're doing. In 1955, he said this, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life. That we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals. That we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. Goes on to say, we need things consumed, burned up, replaced, and discarded at an ever-accelerating rate. I read that and I was like, wow, that guy totally predicted where we are now. I went on to read more, and essentially the advice in the 1950s to companies was, you need to stop making things that are quality, because you'll lose a customer. You need to make stuff that will break. Literally, if not, you lose them. You don't want to sell them once. You want to sell them 10 times. If you sell them a car that's going to last 30 years, they're not coming back for 30 years. We can't do a business like that. We need to sell them cars that will break down that will need maintenance on purpose. Little toys that plastic heads do fall off when one brother takes it one time. We need stuff that will break. Dishwashers. And you know what? I'm telling you right now, I would absolutely say this is totally true. I've been in my house for four years. I did not buy the cheapest appliances. I have literally replaced almost every appliance in my house. Now, there's a lot of wear and tear in the Hardy house. I get it. (laughs) i fixed my oven twice. I've replaced the dishwasher entirely. I've replaced the washing machine entirely. The dryer's almost on its way out. The microwave's on round two. I've replaced bulbs, refrigerator, ice boxes, freezers. I've learned a lot of maintenance stuff. But I'm like, what is wrong with this picture? Four years. I mean, come on. I mean, I, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, I'm in America. <laughs> this is what we do. We, we make stuff that's not made to last. It's not. So, let's think about this for a second. We are all products of our culture in some way, shape, or form. No matter what you think, no matter how much of a bubble you think you live in. Hey, consuming, right? That's our economy. Our economy is built off consumption, right? So, it makes sense that even as believers, we can drift into that pretty easily. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, all of us can. It's like, oh, just consume. I mean, we can all drift there. And listen, I'm not saying don't eat food, don't consume. I'm not saying consume is a bad word, right? But what I am saying is that in a sense, we have got to shift a little bit here to move away from even consuming in our faith and our lives and Christianity to a bit more engagement. Does it make any sense? Consumerism hinges on the fact that if we only bought what we needed, our economy would collapse. Therefore, the goal of consumerism is to create artificial demand for goods and services you don't really need and probably didn't even know existed. Wow. Shocking. That's why in our family we don't watch commercials. Because I know what I'll do. Wow. Well, that, we don't have that. Maybe we could use that. Or I could use that. Well, that looks pretty good. Well, they're, they're having fun using that. Maybe I should get that. Would that make us have fun? I know it's not true because we bought lots of those things and don't make me have more fun. It just wastes more money. So I'm just going to tell you, hey, I challenge you to go commercial free. Commercial free. I dare you. For all of you people that like being dared. Go commercial free. You'll save more money. Promise. Guaranteed. That's my financial advice for today. Consumerism is an economic system that thrives on your lack of self-control and preys on your insecurities. We give magazines, homemaker TV shows, and social media accounts permission to sow discontent in our personal lives and shape our desires for something better. Hey, listen. We're not just talking economy, people. Hopefully you know where I'm going. We're not just talking about toys and money. That's not what this is about. But I'm using it as an example for us to see, wake up and smell a little bit and realize oh my gosh we've all been duped like we're all consumers we are products of this so then how do we not only delineate what does that look like in our walk with Christ in our spiritual life in our natu- well it, we, we, don't, we don't live a secular sacred life do you understand like it it's all or nothing yeah. it's, not, it's not like here's spiritual Tyler and here's American whatever consumer that, that's not it I'm one person, so I gotta be consistent in all things, right? So that means in a life group, in my walk with Christ, in my marriage, in coaching a baseball team, and being a parent of a second grader, into being a part of this, or serving on this board, or part of this deal, I've gotta be consistent in what I'm doing, and the integrity, and where my devotions and my affections lie, and this summer, our heart is to pull us more into engaging our affections and devotions more towards him and less towards this stuff. We want to be a people that are engaging. I'll read one of the quote. Um, You may know this guy's name's Kerry Newhoff. He's a big podcast guy. I don't listen to many podcasts, but I've heard some of his, and he likes to kind of survey the land, kind of the, the, the church landscape in America and different things like that. Um, anyways, I found this, this piece helpful. He said, um, consumer culture, uh, I'm just going back up. he says, one of the most basic and hardest to live out Tenants of being a Christ follower is to die to self. That's what baptism symbolizes. That's at the heart of Jesus' teaching. Die to yourself and live for others. Consumer culture teaches the opposite. Live to myself and live for myself. I'm increasingly convinced that church shopping kills disciples. Amen. Pick a church. Join that mission. Stick with it. Forget what it can do for your family. Give yourself away, and that you will find life. Stop asking what your church can do for you and start asking what you can do for your neighbors and friends and people far from Christ. Amen. I'm saying that to me. I'm saying that to you. And I would say that to every person that's a Christian in America. It can't be, what does Jesus do for me? He's the king. Last I checked, servants in the kingdom are like, King, what can I do for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's, a, it's different. Yes, he lo- he died. He actually did everything, by the way. He already did it all. Yep. But the shift is, Lord, what, how can I serve you? Lord, where can I be a blessing? God, how do you want me? God, where do you want me to live? Not just for the opportunities life for a company. You can get a job anywhere, just so you know. There's like job vacancies in the millions across America. If you don't have a job, you want a job, come talk to me. I will point you in the direction to go get a job. There's lots of jobs. Paying really good money, actually. Right? But jobs everywhere. But man, do we want to just follow the job? I don't think so. I I would argue as a believer, there's a higher calling than just follow a job. Follow the money. You can do that, but that's what a lot of people do. So that's fine. I bless you. I encourage you. We don't shame you. Whatever. And people got jobs everywhere. I get it. Brian College does not have all the jobs in the world I wish we had more. But that's that. I'm just saying, I want you to to involve him, not inform him, right, don't, don't tell God what your plans are, ask him what your plans should be, does that make any sense, like we, like that, that, that's a shift from consuming to engaging, do you understand I me, mean? it's an engaging conversation, Jesus, what do you think about this, Jesus, how can, Spirit of God, lead me to, what do you think, this is a good idea, so I'm gonna get this opportunity, I was invited to this, do I say yes or no, Shouldn't it shouldn't be an automatic yes or automatic no. It should be, Lord, what do you think? Just because something's presented does not mean that's a sign from God for you to do it. You know, maybe he's testing you. Are you actually gonna ask me about that? Or just follow the next dot on the page? We as a people gotta shift from consuming, which I would argue most of you don't think. You don't use your brain. You just consume. You just take it in. Uh, you know what I mean? Just think potato couch, the old school, just... Uh, you know, like that's, that, that that's consuming. It comes, it's gone. But engaging is totally different, y'all. As a church, that's what we're shifting to become. But we're not just going to be doing that and hoping to do that this summer and shifting to become an engaging people, not consuming, but we also want to foster multi-generational relationships. All right. I'll be the first to admit we're weak at that. So that's why we're going to make it a goal around here, moving forward. We don't have it all figured out. We've got some initial things we're working on. But look, I know that people who come to Antioch Community Church that are over the age of 40 are not here because we have everything incredibly laid out for everyone over the age of 40 and families and teenagers and calling it. I know that. And you know that. You've even told me that. (laughs) You're not here because we have the greatest programs for all ages. You're not here for that. I know that. I think many of you here because you sense life is here at different age groups. You sense the spirit of God is real and present. You see that we care about Jesus. We're not perfect, but we're committed to following him and obeying the word of God. You see integrity. You see 56 people lined up to go on a mission trip this summer. That's like half the room this morning. It's like, is anyone staying here? You know, I mean, guys, five, five summers ago. We sent 280 people. On planes. over the world. It's crazyville. Probably a little too much, but whatever. (laughs) They all made it back. (laughs) (laughs) Safely. (laughs) But we want to foster multi-generational relationships. If you're a college student, raise your hand. Or a just graduate college student, raise your hand. Okay. All right. Keep up. Keep up. Keep up, because I want you to look at these people with their hands raised. All right. If I told you, so you're going to get to answer this question. If I told you, hey... We would love to connect you with an older man or woman or push in a group a couple of a colored people that can just help mentor you, walk through you through life, be a mother or a dad to you. Would you say yes? To that? It's nod your head if you say yes. Great, okay, put your hands down. Okay? Um, the college students are not gonna stop coming to this church or this town. That ain't gonna happen. Um, at the same time, we have people that are retiring, moving back. We have families that Move here, they, have, they want to move here and do their families here. We have all ages, guys. Brian Call is growing. What we've got to do is actually foster relationships that are multi-generational. America, I would say Americans, not if you're, so like if you were, if, you've, if your family's been our generations, most likely you don't have a very good connection for three or four generations. Like you don't live in the same house with grandma and grandpa. That's really not, most Americans We're very individualistic in that way. Um, but for instance, if you were Puerto Rican, like my buddy Jorge Santiago from uh, my childhood in middle school and high school, my best friends, his family immigrated here from Puerto Rico, his dad's a doctor, and they started coming to our church, he barely knew any English. Um, I was taking Spanish at the time, but my Spanish greatly increased when I would go to his house, and his mom said, if you want to eat, you got to talk to me in Spanish. <laughs> and I was like, Really? And I was like, oh my gosh, she should coach really good. <laughs> and so I had to figure out my Spanish. And, uh, and that, was, that was the thing. Um, but I remember hanging out with Jorge and his family. And um, in their house, you had Jorge, his brothers, sisters. You had his parents and his grandparents. Lived in the house. Just, that was normal. Every summer, aunts, uncles, and cousins lived with them. I think I met at least 10 or 12 relatives who lived in Puerto Rico who would come and live for the summer, every summer. It was just standard. I was like, okay, these cousins are coming this summer. I was like, who are they? Getting? And we would hang out. And, we, and they didn't speak in English. They spoke Spanish. And so I'm there. My Spanish is getting better. And we're just there hanging out every summer. And I'm like, it's Jorge and his extended family. I mean, I could have gone there and would have had 20 places to stay. It was like, they know me, you know? But it was so cool. And that, that's not part of our culture. That's not my family. We don't have grandma living with us. You know, that's not what we do. But in that culture, if you are Central, South America, Latino culture, it's way more embedded to say, hey, we have a respect and a connection multi Am I right? Yeah. That, that, is, that is the norm, right? And other cultures are like that as well. I'm just highlighting this because of my experience. But what I'm saying is that in the church, we've got to do a better job yeah. at bridging the gap between young and old. Do you know Why? Because the young keep making mistakes and have life questions that they're going to the internet for or their peers who actually don't have the answers. The old sit around and wonder, what do I do in my life? Old, I'll put myself old, i 39. Okay, so above me. So the old person, and they say, and we reflect on the good old days or when I had more energy, my back didn't hurt, or when I had more freedom or flexibility or whatever. And we reminisce. And we're like, well, that was really good. Don't reminisce. Go find some young people and say, let's get refreshed again. Let's get revitalized again. Let's get some vigor again. Let's get some passion again. Because I'm telling you, an on-fire person that's in their 50s or 60s or 70s that has been through the, the life, and they're on fire, they are a force to be reckoned with. You do not mess with them. They've already experienced life and death multiple times. They have no fear, and it's like, bring it on. Right? I'm telling you, you need that kind of fire, right? When you're young, you're nervous, you're insecure, you have all these questions, you're not sure what's going on. They can upset you down and say, Let me help you. Yeah. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. You just need to be someone that's actually lived life and is still walking with Jesus to help somebody else. So we don't have it all figured out. I'm just telling you, as a church, this is a goal that's not going to be accomplished this summer, but we are kickstarting this summer, and we're going to be moving forward as a church to where our church will become a multi-generationally connected church. I don't know how it's all gonna work, I'm just telling you. So, but I'm also saying this, you don't have to wait for us to roll out the multi-generational program. That drives me crazy. You should never wait for us. Be ahead of us. Lead the way. Show us what to do so we don't roll something out and it's a complete disaster. like, hey, I've actually been doing this for the last six months, this is how it's working, this is what's, come talk to me. Perfect, so if you've got ideas, and I don't just mean ideas. I mean, like, actual experience, like you've trialed it. I don't really want to talk to you if you haven't done it. That's like giving me advice on parenting and you're not a parent. I don't really care to hear your advice. Be a parent and then give me your advice. Does it make any sense? So do the stuff. But that's what we want to do, guys, as a church. We want that. We need that. Right? I longed for that in college and never got it. And that's not on somebody else. It's on me, too. But it wasn't. I didn't have the environments to go get that. And listen, it's not, it's not that people need that just because their parents, they didn't have a good relationship with their, even a great relationship with their parents, but man, it's really helpful to have someone else speak in your life. Yeah. It just is. You just separate out all the history. It's like, okay, someone's talking to you straight. Does it make any sense? That's what we're going for. I love it. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians four fifteen, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That passage is gonna be a theme for us. We, we want fathers and mothers in the Lord ready to invest. And we want young men and women to rise up and receive instruction and have that kind of respect and learn from them and also stir them up. All right, it's not a one-way street. It's engagement. It's a two-way street. All right, the last thing we're going after this summer is um, that the ways of Jesus are greater. Another way to put it, He is supreme. Just as a fresh reminder for us, the people, Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church, right? We all are part of the body, members of the body. He's the head of the church. Um, But he reigns supreme. And this summer, we're going to be going through the book of Hebrews and not line by line or word by word. You can read it and dig into it. And I'll explain more of that in a minute, but we're going to go through it because really what it's going to do is it's actually going to take some of the Old New Testament and bring the New Testament and what it's going to reveal to us in the end, I'll just tell you where it's going to go. It's going to reveal to us the fact that, hey, Jesus fulfilled the old, right? He's come. He's not coming to abolish and it's the new, but he is greater than all of it. He's came and he reigns supreme. The supremacy of Christ rules and reigns over all. And so that's the message, Hebrews, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is written to the Jewish Christians, to those that have that Jewish background, that, that history, that understanding of what that history has been for them as a people. So that's what they're writing to. But we're going to dive into it. It's going to be super fun. And we're going to go over it for 12 weeks and highlight some key themes in it. Not every single piece, but I want to encourage you, read through Hebrews this summer. Like, dig into it. Like, just get it into you, man. And we're going to do it as a church together but Jesus reigns. I love, um, you know, Webster's definition of supreme. Highest in rank or authority. Highest in rank or authority. That's what Jesus is. We just need to be reminded of that, that he's in charge, that we're not, and that we are down the list, <laughs> and that that's what he's called us to. When he, even when he called his first disciples 2,000 years ago, he said, come follow me. Drop your stuff. Come follow me, right? I mean, it, Jesus calls people. People to a higher standard of obedience to him, not a low standard. It's not, it's not, it's not wishy washy. It's not, well, can I, can, can, I, can I go to this town today, but I need to take off a few days and go to. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm asking you to follow me with consistency, not inconsistency. And so we want to be reminded of the fact that Jesus reigns, He is supreme. In Hebrews 1 3, we, we had this verse as a, as a key verse. Uh, for our vision statement, but it says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And this morning, I actually just wanna, um, b- before we close, I'll share with you a couple things we're doing just practically this summer, and then we're gonna read a passage out of Colossians 1 before we end our time this morning. But, you know, um, as we look at this summer and trying to make a big shift, Um, One of the things we wanted to do, and you know, you may think as I share with you, it's not, oh, that's not a big change. But what we're hoping for is it starts fostering these very things we've laid out this morning. So coming next Sunday, um, you're going to walk into this room that's going to look different, right? So you're going to walk in, and we're going to do a couple things to you, all right? Number one, we're going to flip the service around. So you're going to come in, get your coffee, whatever you've got, come sit down, and there's going to be tables. So you're going to sit at a round table with six or eight people in this sanctuary, and here's what I would ask I would ask you can sit with your spouse okay your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever but other than that I would like you to sit at a table with people you don't know very well okay so if we see a table where it's a little click we're gonna break that click up and you're gonna be really embarrassed on a Sunday morning (laughs) table four your whole life group sitting together break it up so we will do that to you and I'm warning you now so we can all laugh at you so, because why? We're going for engagement as a church. Which means there's someone in here like, I've never known them. Then beeline it to their table. It's a great table to go to. Every Sunday, we're going to mix it up. Go to a different table every Sunday. Okay? So, you're going to show up to a table. Six to eight chairs, sit there with people. Get to know people who are not in your life group and not your same stage of life. I'm not saying you can't sit with people that are your age, but make sure your table is a good mixture, right, of different age groups, different people, okay? That's the goal, the multi-generational aspect, right, the engagement aspect. And start next Sunday, um, instead of getting a 35, 40-minute teaching, you're going to get a 15 to 20-minute teaching, okay? And it's going to be different people in our church, going to be giving the teaching, Okay, so some staff, some church members, and they're going to come up here, and they're going to give a 15, 20-minute teaching, and they're just going to break it down real simply. We're going to go after a topic that Sunday, and then you're going to dive into it, and it's going to be awesome, because what's going to happen is we're going to dive into the passage, We're going to dive into it and have an have a honest, healthy discussion and engagement at that table as a people, so that you get to know people. At the end of the summer, you're just like, wow, I know 50 more people in church than I knew before, because I just got to hear from them, talk with them, and, and converse with them. And then at the back end of the service, we're going to worship together. We're going to worship because actually we're just going to flip it around and say, hey, we're going to fellowship. We're going to get in the word. And then we're just going to celebrate, honor Jesus, and minister to each other. We want people praying for each other. Man, if you've got a prophetic word, encouraging word for someone, we want you to give it to them. We're going to bless each other. But that's what we're doing this summer. So, hey, don't be awkward about it. Just step in and, and join the fun. That's going to be awesome. I don't know of any other churches in our town doing this, so this will be unique and fun, but it's an experiment. But I think what it's going to do is it's going to help us shift into this mentality of, okay, we want to engage, not just consume. Yeah. Hey, man, I want to see the people I never get to know, i would never met before. I want to get with them, start forming relationships. And you're okay to invite each other out to lunch afterwards. Hey, look, we get lunch, right? Do whatever you want to do, but we want this to feel like a church family, not um, some family and some strangers showing up to a building on Sunday, we want to do away with that. We want to do, hey, no, this is my church family. These are my people, and we can all learn from each other. Amen? All right, I want you to stand up here. I'm going to read from Colossians 1 this morning as we close this morning. Because ultimately, the reason why we're doing all this is we want to be more like him. We want to be more like him. And the way that Jesus is, the way he thinks, the way he interacts with people, the way he connects with the Father, the way he relates to his friends and strangers. And, uh, you know, that's, we want to be like him. So we're gonna do our best this summer to engage in that, to jump in that as a people. Colossians 1, this is not a familiar passage. It's talking about Christ. I'm just gonna read it as we go into a time of worship this morning. He is the, invi- he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven on earth, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he is now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to all in creation under heaven, and in which I, Paul, became a minister. It's about Him and us. That's where we're going for the summer. If you would just pray with me, Jesus, we ask, Oh Lord you would help us. Help us to keep first things first. Help us to remember that you reign of role. Lord, we love you. We want to be a radiant church that's ready for your return. But we don't want to wait around for that. We want to be moving today. We want to be actively engaging in the mission of God and the kingdom of God and the great commission today. So Lord, I thank you. We get to send out these men and women all over the world this summer. I thank you that we get to live our lives out here with Jesus first and loving our neighbor and surrendering to you and serving one another. Lord, we want to be a body. Lord, help us, I pray, this summer. Lord, let us become a family again, a family again that cares for each other understands each other that listens that shakes hands that gives hugs that wants to learn from each other Lord help us to become a family the family of God so when others enter in, they say what is going on here there is nothing like this in our city it's different there is love in the air there is kindness there's integrity there's a holiness there's a there's a servant heartedness there's a togetherness a unity that doesn't exist but in the church oh it's there It's there. Lord, let it be. Come. Be with us. Increasingly, increasing measure. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship it this morning.